0: Thank you. 22 of Queer Alien Blast, um, our second hiatus episode. Today we're going to talk a pretty broad topic about how Roswell, New Mexico handles the um, idea of family, whether that be biological, found, um, and it's different iterations. Um, So we're going to dive right in and probably start with the most... um, noticeable and the family and the family that gets probably the most attention overall in the show, uh, which is the Orteco family. Um, And boy, did we get a lot this season. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think the family that we've seen the most of, like we've met the most members and we get to know them a little bit better, even Helena and all of that um, is the Ortecos. And I loved the, my, probably my favorite dynamic will always be um, now Arturo and Rosa. Um, now that we know that they aren't biologically related and it wasn't like some big, you know, bombshell on Arturo. He was just like, yep, I know. Dad, I, uh, what I said about Jim Valenti,
1: I never wanted you to know. Oh, Liz. I knew, I always knew, and it never mattered, Rosa is mi hija, siempre y para toda la vida.
2: And like right.
0: that, you know, the, and he didn't matter and he's, you know, and, and, and never treated Rosa any differently and I think that that was absolutely a beautiful way to handle that because it could have just been some big soap opera dramatic bombshell thing that he finds out and they have some weird emotional conversation, but he just knew the whole time, which I think is fantastic
2: no that was definitely the right choice and Mm -hmm. i appreciate that they did that instead of going for kind of the more obvious option right to have him be like yeah i know i've known that the whole time and it never mattered to me like she's still my daughter i think that's perfect and very arturo
0: right because i didn't want to watch him struggle with oh how do i deal with now that she's not you know, is she still mine? Is this how it works? And, uh, you know, I don't want to hear that anymore. Um, not that that's not important, but that, that wouldn't feel like Arturo if he had to sort of mm-hmm. make that decision of how he feels about her and the fact that he's known all along and never brought it up. I mean, whew.
1: I think it's also interesting when you think that he never, I don't remember exactly, but I don't think he ever actually had that conversation with Rosa. Oh, no, Rosa heard that. I remember right. She heard that, but she, but he was having the conversation with Liz, um, which is interesting. Of course, up until that point, he didn't know that Rosa was alive, but um, that's also interesting. And, you know, Rosa's not the only one that struggles with the fact that, you know, she's not Arturo's biological daughter. And what, what that means, what that means for, you know, the fact that, you know, Helena cheated on him um so we know that liz had that moment when she when they had the reveal last season of being like okay what does that mean for my family she's not you know my whole biological sister or whatever how are you want to put it. but um yeah i love that family i love that whole you know Arturo is the best dad he is the best he really dad. is i mean
0: really and and, mm-hmm. and on a You know, dads in television, there's been all this research about, you know, especially in American television, the history of, you know, um, either absentee fathers or fathers that are, you know, sort of the, you know, brunt of the joke all the time and, you Mm -hmm. know, but finally Arturo is not only you know, Hispanic man and not only all of these things, but he's, you know, a business owner and he's responsible and he's just a good dad in general. Um, And I think that that's why it's even sadder when something happens to him, like losing one daughter and then one daughter leaving town, Like, it's even sadder because it's like, he's so good. And he was essentially left all alone in Roswell for so long. And I think, and I don't think that really hit me until, getting the notes together for this episode and I was like poor Arturo really was alone for for many years with Liz gone and and all of that and that's just very sad (laughs) and now she's
1: leaving again and I don't think that we really we didn't get a goodbye scene with the two of them did
2: Mm -mm, we mm -mm. Mm -mm. no we got Liz and
1: Rosa right yeah um so yeah (laughs) I know I I know I know she's gonna come back soon but like obviously there's gonna be a time Mm -hmm. jump and everything Um, and we talk about the fact that it's a different, you know, context in which, in which she lives, but still, I mean, at least, at least he has Rosa now. So, you know, he's not all alone. also like the found family, the the found family part of, you know, um, the rest of the cast, I guess, stepped up, um, with Arturo as well. So like, he has people to go to, which is Mm -hmm. nice.
0: Arturo and Isabel. I was gonna say, maybe we'll get
2: more Arturo and Isabel scenes. (laughs)
0: the cutest
1: with with less mind manipulation
0: oh yeah that that's true let's leave that alone yes yeah (laughs) um wholesome instagram part of it (laughs) um i think that another part of their family that's i mean it's just always going to be interesting to me is liz and rosa obviously that was sort of the Mm -hmm. key to the season um i can't I can't get over the whole flip-flopping of ages and who's the older one just because that informs so much of who you are. I mean, when you're the big sister, the little sister, Mm -hmm. um, it just, you never lose that identity. I mean, I, my siblings are all over 30 and I'm definitely the oldest (laughs) and that's never, you know, that's never going to change that sort of dynamic. And so I love the way that they flip-flopped it. It's just so good. Um, Mm -hmm. And I love that they didn't just have them come back together and everything was fine and they got along you know got along perfectly and they never fought and that's that would have that would have been very unrealistic like the fact that they have you know the whole argument about max the vanilla white bread mayonnaise boyfriend or whatever like seems like that it's just so realistic um and they've kept rosa um you know she's still a teenager in a lot of ways and she's also supposed to you know how do you how do you still react emotionally to things like a teenager, but realize that you're now over 30. And so it's such a weird a weird way to be.
1: Yeah, I love when you mention it. I love the um, different, you know, age being reversed, and, you know. Um, I love that they're still at the core of how they act and behave with each other and also, like, how they interact with people in general. Like, Liz is still the... Little sister, the younger sister, and Rosa is still at the very end of the day. She's still the the older sister, but Liz, I think Liz always had a very a very strong sense of protection over her family. So that's always been a trait that's come up and and is strong with her, uh, which is a more I think, you know, in society is thought to be a, like a, an older sibling kind of trait um but Liz always had that and I love it um and yeah like you mentioned the arguments oh I love Rosa so much
0: I love her she, she's so she's sassy like, she's so and she's so like it's not just you know bratty teenager like she says right what nobody else will say and she says right. it unap- unapologetically and in a way that truly only a teenager can do I mean I don't mm. know that many people I think the older you get the more likely you are to choose your words a little bit and and mm-hmm. try to avoid conflict in a lot of ways and she's like fuck that like let's we're just going to plow through and tell you exactly what I think and I do love that.
1: Yeah, she's the voice she's the voice of the audience in a lot of ways. I mean, stuff that we I know that we as a podcast we brought up so many times like why did Liz forgive Max so quickly and stuff like that and she was like boom 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 all of that stuff she brought up, and I love her for it. I mean, it took a while, but she did bring it up, Okay, draw energy from your spine. No, don't touch me. Look, you resurrected me, I jump-started your heart, we're good. That doesn't mean that I need to like you or trust you or want you around. You are the one who told me over and over again in my sleep how dangerous you are. I started drinking again to shut you up, so I'm sorry if I'm not super pumped that you're
0: banging my sister. Okay, so their mom... (laughs) (laughs) i you know i was excited to meet her i don't know i guess i didn't realize that she was going to be such a villain Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like i know that it was going to be this sort of like fraught relationship and obviously the the history you know her leading and all of that and and then for Mm -hmm. her to turn out to be this like cartoon villain i'm like that's
2: with motivations that made absolutely no sense
0: right so like would have been really interesting okay couldn't handle motherhood couldn't handle the rosa stuff i mean just it makes complete sense but then they truly made her this like weird old hollywood you know villain and i truly i still don't know what she wanted to do like she wanted to so okay she wanted to kill jesse Baines. so instead of just killing jesse Baines, i mean instead of just shooting him she did this like weird, I don't even, uh, I'm not even going to attempt to understand the science behind it, whatever, but um, it's just, it's nuts to me. This like over the top um, plan that clearly, and she
2: didn't get to kill him. Right, right. You know what and- did kill him? A gun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, that's right. what I'm saying. <laughs> like, I'm not advocating murder of any
0: kind, but I feel like if you're motivated by, you know, um, anger and you want to get back at someone <laughs> Why on earth would you fabricate this whole like intensely confusing, uh, morally really gray area of of creating this like weapon of mass destruction rather than just shooting him? You're in New Mexico. Because you can get
1: a damn gun wherever you want because otherwise we wouldn't have had michael go absolutely mental about alex disappearing and having yeah i mean
0: i get it (laughs) you know from a drama standpoint but i'm just watching it going all
2: of this Mm -hmm. to kill did we need her for alex to disappear though it could have just been flint well that's what i'm saying it what (laughs) what it could have just been
0: flint and jesse kidnap him so i it's a cw drama that's why that's the answer exactly before we found out that she was a cartoon villain i did like the episode where she came back um Mm -hmm. and clearly you know and sort of made it seem like she was going to make up with them and then of course broke their hearts again you know that Mm -hmm. that episode is beautiful i love love that and if honestly if they had just left it at that i think it would have been Mm -hmm. really really interesting but Then they took it one step further and it just made it this like really cartoonish um, character. But that episode, that whole conversation with her and Liz was A plus. It was very, very good. When I left, you achieved so much.
1: I may not be the PTA mom who made cookies for bake sales or hosted sleepovers, but I sacrificed everything to come to this country to give you a better life. And yet, here you are, playing house with a güerito cop and singing cheap burgers with antennas on your head. I pushed you to be extraordinary. You think that was a good thing? You think that was fair? I felt like I had to be perfect to get a single scrap of your love. I was never good enough for you. You do not care about me or Rosa. You knew that Rosa was skimming off your pain pills, but you figured that if you busted her, Bobby would find out about your problem. You were selfish, and you were consumed in your own chaos, and you ended up destroying two families, ours and the Valentes. I know all about your affair with Jim. I know that Rosa was really his daughter, and I know that she threatened to expose you if you didn't leave town. You are the reason that Rosa relapsed. You are the reason that she
2: was going to leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: I love that episode so much, actually. It's, I think, one of Jeanine's best performances this season. Um, also an episode in which I really la- like Max.
2: Weird. I know. Yeah. I
1: know.
0: It's weird. Yeah. It happened a couple times this season where I was like, right. who am I? I am uh, rethinking my entire identity in Roswell, New Mexico <laughs> fandom. <laughs> Uh, but then he would prove me, you know, like, oh, okay, I see why. But there were a couple times I doubted it But that episode is one of them.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was so interesting. And it was interesting the way it was shot, the way it was, you know, thought that was like, all of it was happening inside the diner. So you have, you know, it's kind of, it was very theatrical in a way. And it was just one, you know, um, location. Um, and then Rosa, you know, being kind of looking from the outside in that it was very interesting. And I agree with you that it would have been so much better if she, she just left. And then maybe, yes, maybe we hear from her and I would have liked for her to still have had that scene that she has with Rosa at the end when they, they have closure, um, but the part, you know, I still, I'm still, i still thinking about that part that she was the one that kidnapped Mimi. And I'm, I'm like, I'm still very confused about the Mimi of it all, which we'll talk about.
0: So confused. Um, <laughs> I'm hoping we can talk through it and it will make sense to me, but I don't think so. <laughs> Move on and talk about the pod squad. Um, because there is a lot there, mostly all uh, revolving around max, which is unfortunate but um, so I first kind of want to talk about Max and Michael because there's so much to talk about with max and Isabel and I think that'll probably be the rest of this section. I don't know with Max and Michael I, there's a lot to solve there and a lot to talk about. We never the hand peeling from last season the fact that max rejected michael many times all of these things that they were building up to in season one that as much as it, it enraged me was very interesting um and made for a really good dynamic and then in season two <sighs> that they it just it was just forgiven mm-hmm. uh, uh, at max's bedside it was just like if you wake up it's it's all fine we call it even well what is with everybody what is what, everybody calling it even? Yeah, everybody's calling everything even. <sighs> that is not how it works. But also, yes, he wasn't even awake. How is this?
2: How is Well, this-, this show has a one of its biggest downfalls is that we have all these consent issues that never get addressed, that never get resolved. And... But then we, the show tries to be this super woke show with, with all the themes that it tries to tackle. But yet all of this, these consent issues, especially with Isabel, but also with Max and, and Michael, it, and it just never gets addressed. And we're Max, left to just kind of throw up our hands.
0: Max forcibly did something to Michael's body that Michael didn't want to happen. When put it that way... That's pretty intense. Now, you know, whatever that may mean to the people that wrote it, maybe they don't think that that it's still a physical like encroachment upon what you think is comfortable. Mm-hmm. And whatever Michael ends up feeling about it in the end, you know, uh, you know, I loved Alex calling Michael out about the hand and still keeping it wrapped. So clearly there's still some issues or he would just not have it wrapped or think, you know, think of something else. Um, but the that shows me that there is still some issues, but and, and I could have sworn, Karina said that was going to be discussed in season two, or Vlaminck possibly, or Vla- somebody that it, it was going yeah. to come up again, and um, and now it's it like it did, too late. it did,
1: but with Alex, that's the problem. Like right. like you just mm-hmm. said, right? right? It was addressed with Alex a couple of times, um with Alex bringing it up, not with Michael. And I get it. Like, I get that Michael is in denial. And, I mean, it, the point is that now that he's not in denial about his end, you know, that he unwrapped it in the finale, it's too late to have that conversation with Max. Mm-hmm. So we're never going to talk about it. Um, and it's just going to be like, oh, yeah, that's a thing that happened. That's a thing. That's another instance of Max just disregarding Michael's feelings about an issue um and just doing whatever he wants and then you know Michael is bothered and we know that he's bothered and Max never actually knows that Michael is bothered but but, because Michael never actually brings it up with Max so we're still at the you know a, there was no actual mate.
0: resolution there was no actual yeah. like yes is it or no it's not possible for every character to sit down with every character that they need to talk to right. and have these long drawn out obviously i mean it's a short it's only 13 episodes and that would be boring but there there should have been more than max or michael talking to a comatose max and then just being mm-hmm. like it's cool bro What's, you know like that was dumb i don't, don't understand the purpose of that even if it had been Max was awake and they had the same conversation and Michael said it to Max's face, that would be even something different. But I, yeah. I so their dynamic, I think, was one of the victims of season two um, mm-hmm. that, that mm-hmm. I'm, that I'm, I'm sad that like it could have gone somewhere really interesting.
1: Yeah. Especially when you thought, I know that we discussed it a lot with when we did the 205 recap. But especially when you consider that, 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 even when they brought up, you know, flashbacks or of, of, you know, showing more of their relationship when they were teenagers and stuff, um, after the after Rose's death, um, I still feel like they put all the blame on Michael. Um, and then, yeah, the scene with Max being comatose was certainly cathartic for Michael. But the point is that Max should have been awake to listen to what Michael was saying because if he isn't, he's not going to change. I mean, that's the point. It's Max that has to change. It's not Michael that has to realize, you know, some... He doesn't have to have a big realization. I mean, maybe, yeah, I've been dramatic about some stuff. He has. But, like, Max has also been an asshole for, like, the past 10 years, so maybe should have been a two-way conversation.
0: Let's continue on the Max train to talk about (laughs) Max and Isabel because Mm -hmm. there were some really good parts of them, their dynamic this season, and then some really bad parts, um, which I feel like is pretty apt for Max and Isabel in general. Um, I think the most heartbreaking part of their dynamic was when they were talking about the abortion. Um, So not just... The vision she had of him, like Dream Max or whatever, you know, that wasn't actually him. So that whole conversation was obviously heartbreaking. Um, But I think it's more important when she revealed it to him later on um, what had happened and his reaction, which is the worst way to react
2: to news like that ever. It's exactly how I expected Max to react, though. Right.
0: I'll be honest. You don't ever make something like that about yourself. And he Mm -hmm. exactly, he did that exactly. Now, was that maybe the point? I don't know. I guess, I, I, I guess it was in like stark comparison to how Michael reacted. I really don't know. Like, why have Max, if you're not going to, if it's not going to turn out to be evil Max, right, which was where I thought it was going, and it's not um then why have him react that way i'm not i'm not sure i really understand other than to make him look like a douchebag and and, and he's a
1: douchebag that's the think, point
0: but no i don't think that's the point of the show i don't think they want us to think that he's a douchebag i don't think that we they want us to see him as a hero i mean he's very flawed right. but like i don't
2: I don't, interesting. I don't think i would love to see a flawed hero i love it like it that's great um this is the wrong way to go about it because there's a difference between being a flawed hero and being an asshole and right just, you know
0: I mean, imagine your sister comes to you obviously she's had some time uh, maybe not enough time but some time to to deal with it and come to some sort of emotional understanding with herself about what happened and what that means and then uh, immediately making about yourself and getting angry and storming off like at no point offering reassuring words you know are you okay did he he ever ask in that conversation how she was i don't think so i don't i don't remember but i mean i guess later on they had a a more sane conversation about it but i don't know i just i think that's just one more example of just annoying straight white dude i just it's it's getting exhausting at this point Mm -hmm.
1: right and I also, I think the big point is also that like, even when we, when they do um, clear it up, um, kind of, I mean, it's mentioned again, um, it's Isabel that brings it up. It's not Max, it's Isabel that's, that's like, are you angry at me because of the abortion thing? Um, it's not Max saying, oh, you know, about the way that I reacted. You know, I'm sorry or whatever. No, it's Isabel saying. You know, are you are you still angry about that? Which oh, and his, he's like,
0: oh, absolutely not. Absolutely I'm like, absolutely not. Why <laughs> would that be out of the realm of possibility? That's right. What it seemed like that you were both angry at Noah, but also we you, because you had this he had this explosive anger. We didn't even know who he was angry at. Are you angry that right. she did that? Are you? Is that a little bit of the actor coming through? I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. It, but of course, she would ask that. That well, when, you're, when your reaction is full of anger.
2: Well, also, and he seems to have this weird sense of like ownership over Isabel and Michael, mm-hmm. too, to a certain extent. And it's, you know, that she made this decision. I mean, yeah, yes, he was, you know, quote unquote dead, but she made this decision without like basic. I felt like he was, she, made the decision without getting his permission and that made him Mm -hmm. mad like he didn't okay this and so he gets angry about it this is actually a good this is
0: actually something positive i will say about max so i think max in the beginning was sort of brushing off isabel's sexuality experiences Uh which Knowing Isabel and how just strange she is and just, you know, uh, you quirky, we all know her character. It honestly, like uh, lots of people got mad that when she was trying to tell him about what happened at Planet 7 or whatever. Planet 7, yeah. That mm-hmm. he just sort of walked away. And I think even right. I was upset about it. But then I re- I watched it later on, re that scene. And even she wasn't saying it very seriously. So I don't think his reaction was... She wasn't, like, sitting him down to have this serious conversation of, you know, we really need to talk about sexuality. You know, she was mm-hmm. sort of laughing it off. So that makes sense. But I do adore that scene where he, now, unintentionally outs Isabel to Liz. That is gross. But um, where he, you know... Is is talking about you know boyfriend or girlfriend or non-binary you know like all of these mm-hmm. these terms that Max mm-hmm. Evans knows that feels weird right. but I think it shows that he is trying to understand and trying to be I wish that he would apply that same openness to Michael
2: mm-hmm. to Michael's
0: sexuality that he did to Isabel's let's compare that oh you're gay now thing to the non you know that mm, is you know I don't think he's quite as or that's part of the evolution that we're supposed to see. I don't know. So having right.
2: having grown up in the South, <clears throat> it's different when it's a woman compared mm-hmm. to when it's a man. And I wonder oh, if sure. maybe that part of that is Max's point of view because it the, the lesbians and bisexual women in my family are treated differently than the gay and bisexual men. Right. I guess because straight men can like, you know, they can see it with Mm -hmm, a woman, mm right? You know, well,
0: and a part of it may also be Max and Michael's relationship
2: in general, versus Max and Isabel's relationship
0: in general. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying you're wrong. I think it's both. I think it's Max is more comfortable when he's talking about female sexuality because it's something that doesn't affect him, right? Like it doesn't Mm -hmm. mean anything about his sexuality, but when you have Michael saying to him, because essentially Michael and Isabel said the same thing to Max, we're aliens. What the hell does it matter you know, we why do we care about this stuff? And so I think when mm-hmm. Michael says it to Max, it hits a little too close to home. When Michael's like, "We're aliens. What does it matter? Mm-hmm. Why are you forcing me into this box?" And I think that that's a little scary for Max to hear because maybe there is a part of his head that's like, "Ah, you could be right. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no." Like just right. Right. like, like right. By, pan- by panic, yeah. right? <laughs> there is a part of him that's like, "Holy shit!" If if. Michael's sort of ascribing to this idea of all these labels don't mean anything when you're aliens, then that could just be a little scarier. So I think it is a little bit of both that, um, Max just doesn't, how many Max has a view of himself and other people have that view where he is not only this like sauntering cowboy dramatically putting my hat on, but also this poetry reading and writing, you know, and sort of how do you keep those things in check with one another, um, and so I think that that would make sense.
2: Bro, yeah, is it gay if I, I read point. Russian literature?
0: <laughs> Can't handle it. Finally, we can sort of talk about them as an as a the three of them, um, mm-hmm. as the pod as the pod squad um, because I think that there was a lot of focus on that, especially towards the end, and that beautiful shot of them all touching the the pod um i think that more flashbacks we saw the three of them it does give a more well-rounded view of how they work as a triad mm-hmm. and i did appreciate that mm-hmm. and i hope that there's more to come especially now that we have redneck evil Max. um what that means for the shut up i almost <laughs> forgot about that um howdy partner howdy partner um <laughs> so what that means for the three of them you know all of that i mean it, as problematic as all three of them are their mm-hmm. dynamic together is so interesting mm-hmm. um yeah because that one time or another they've all pushed each other away especially with max and michael but i love that they just sort of keep coming back together i think that you know no matter what their other family is like that they're, they're that there has to be three mantra thing um that only came up twice this season and should have been there all along, but is a good um, way to describe them. And is something that I hope yeah. comes up again. I do have to say I missed
1: pot squat scenes. Um, I don't think that we yeah. had a lot of, uh, a lot of them with all three of them this season. Right. Um, um, yeah. they're dynamic as a, as a trio is very interesting and i think it's gonna be a lot more interesting now that max knows that he's not related to them oh i Um, forgot holy shit none of them are related yeah oh i Um, forgot so um you know because before the big thing it was you know that michael they knew that michael wasn't the one that was they knew i mean they thought that michael wasn't the one that wasn't related to them And there was this whole thing of biological, does Michael fit as an actual sibling because of, you know, how do we, how do we view adopted siblings and all of this, you know, all of that dynamics that I think comes up, you know, it doesn't matter that they're aliens, it's just, you know, adoption things and stuff and sibling stuff. Um, and now Max is actually the one that's not related, and we don't know because i I think they confirmed that um, Michael's and Isabel's moms were not sisters, so they're not related in any way no yeah Mm-mm. Um, but they still had you know their mothers had a connection and so kind of Isabel and Michael are kind of the closest ones. Um, right. So it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. It's a very interesting shift in the dynamic. And Which it was interesting I, to
0: see. I would argue has always been the case. Mm-hmm. Right. And I don't yes. think I realized until, because it sort of set up as Max and Isabel, and then Isabel and Michael, and maybe Max and Is- Isabel a little bit closer because they were raised as, you know, actual siblings in a home, like mm-hmm. biological siblings. Mm-hmm. But the more you look back on it and and review, I think it's always been that Michael and Isabel have more of a connection on maybe like a deeper level um, than than Max has with either one of them. Not that I think that that has anything to do with whether or not you're biologically related. I just think that that's how it sort of naturally happened with who they are as people and as characters. So it'll be interesting if Max will now see that and think it has something to do with the fact that they're not actually biologically related or Mm -hmm. if that will come up again, I really am interested to see because I don't think anything is going to happen to the three of them, no matter what drama. And, and, you know, I think that they're understanding that they have a deep connection with one another regardless.
1: Yeah, and that absolutely beautiful scene in the the finale when, um, you know, where they're talking, at max's house and michael shows the tattoo and then isabel's like you know okay put your feelings away we have business to, to attend to you know that was oh
0: which was which hilarious That's the pod dynamic right but at the same but time I, I want to be like let them talk i know <laughs> them, i know let them talk with one another please they need to i do love you know michael being his little awkward self trying to support isabel with her sexuality journey just because like right. the fact that they're comfortable enough with one another and making jokes and and please let them go to planet seven together like why is this hard why is this difficult and the because f- you know, michael is too repressed and the finale where she's like bitch where are you going alex is right there like you've got Isabel and kyle that have always been like what's you know um mm-hmm. please go after each other what are you doing like just stop being stupid and so i did like that the that um that isabel was sort of championing them to michael at the end um even though he wasn't ready and did his leaving thing again but i think In contrast how, to how she yeah. was at the end of the first season right where that really terrible line of you know you know my problems trump your closet whatever the hell she said but Mm -hmm, i think the the closet yeah yeah um so i think in that whole uh juxtaposition of those two conversations i think really shows how much isabel changed how i think now here's another thing that i think she understands it more now maybe that she's undergoing her own sexuality sort of issues, right? Mm -hmm. Like sort of working through it. I think maybe she gets it now or has seen enough this season where she understands that it's not about just Michael and Alex getting together. Like it's not, Mm -hmm. it's not that, that it's not as easy as that and as uncomplicated as that, that there's a lot more to it. And so I think that that's, I love that conversation and that look on her face of like, yeah, you're going to be ready. This is going to happen. Like that was a good, that, you know, Mm Yeah.
1: And it also has to be said for Isabel that she did try to, you know, support, she always tried to support and champion Michael, um, despite Michael being an absolute idiot most of the time. I mean, but she did try to support his choices. And, you know, even with Maria, Mm -hmm. she doesn't like Maria. But she was kind of supportive of the relationship. It was it was very interesting. I mean, to see that was she was like,
0: okay, whatever you have to do, you know, if this makes you happy, sure, whatever. I think that's her goal. I think that's her thing. Is it? it you know, if Michael's happy, then what? Fine, whatever that yeah. may mean. You know, whatever that may mean for him, whoever he needs to be with and, and to get over his shit, that's fine. So now we're going to move on to the flashback scenes slash found family, which is kind of a big theme for season two. Um, I don't know. I love the flashbacks in some ways and some, and in other ways I wish it had been a little bit better done. Um, they didn't give me enough time with the characters to really care about their found family. Like mm-hmm. again, you told me they were a found family. You didn't really show me in a lot of ways, especially with, um, Walt you know it, it so if we can sort of ignore that criticism I do uh, love the idea that they made this tiny little um home together that they all needed mm-hmm. and 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 the scenes that we did get were very sweet um I just wanted more especially with Walt um because we it's so funny I call him Walt when he was a kid and then Sanders when he's grown up even though it's the mm-hmm. same exact person it's the only way I know how to like differentiate it in my head right um especially because that's that scene, you know, later with Sanders and, and the photo and like, you know, he he clearly loved them so much. I want, I wanted more from it then.
2: Yeah. I feel like we, if we'd gotten maybe an entire episode of just flashbacks, I think maybe I would have yes. cared a little bit uh, yes. more. Yes, mm-hmm. more time.
0: But then I don't want to watch a whole episode away from the, the main characters that I love. But yes, I know right. what you mean. Like we just needed more. And I think it was maybe because you're trying to create this whole dynamic in one scene over 13 episodes or however many episodes they were in is the difficult part. You're totally right. I know at the time if there'd been a whole episode of, you know, in a 13
2: episode season dedicated to flashbacks, I would have been really upset. Oh no, it only would have worked if we'd had a longer season, you know, if we had like 16 episodes or something like that, you know, I think it would have worked, but you know they, And that's the thing with this show that's been a problem since season one is that they have so much story that they have to try to cram into 13 episodes. It's like they're writing a 22 episode season and then trying to force it into 13 episodes.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, yeah, I, the only way that I, I would have seen it work better if, if they spread it out more, like had more scene throughout more episodes because at the end of the day, it was like three episodes four maybe that had flashbacks or were you know telling that story so you have like an episode here like the first or the second episode of the season and you have the flashbacks and then you have nothing for four episodes and then another flashback and then you have nothing for four episodes and then another flashback so that was kind of the problem that you connect with these people maybe if you if you can and then you, you know, by the time you see them again, you're like, who are these people?
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Kind of like with Forrest and every side character in
0: this season. Right. There's Um, just so much time in between it that, I mean, it's just not how it works because, you know, it works a little bit differently in like a silk format where there are going to be weeks where you don't see a character, but they've laid the different foundations so that you immediately know who they are and know their importance and you haven't really forgotten them but in, ep- in a in a show like this if you don't resolve something within a, an episode or two i mean it loses or if you don't revisit or you don't you know a character or whatever it may be then it's just i don't know that i'm going to care as much the emotional impact mm-hmm. is gone and so when forrest was gone for however many episodes he was gone and then they changed who he was and all that i mean it just contributes
2: to me not really caring <laughs> Well, and you can get away with something like that in a soap opera because on, a, at least on an American soap opera, that's five hours of programming a week, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, so you can get away with, with leaving somebody off to the side for a while. You can't do that in a show that's as tightly packed as Roswell is. Because I do love the dynamics that <clears throat> they created in the flashbacks.
0: Like Roy and Louise were ad- adorable. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I wish I could have seen them fall in love a little bit more. I mean, this is getting into territory of, you know, they would need a whole season, you know, and and we don't need that much information. But I would love to have seen more of them because it's so important, as we're going to find out later with the characters that we do have, you know, with the main cast. I feel like I wish that we'd seen a little bit more of that. And even Nora and Trip, although they they got a decent little chunk of an episode to sort of explore them, you know, I, I think that's... I know that they want me to care very deeply about the, the them as ships and as a family, but it's, it falls mm-hmm. a little bit flat sometimes, I think. Um, mm-hmm. cause I mean, really the only reason I care about Nora and Trip is because of their connection with Michael and Alex. And I'll be very honest right. about that, That it's not, it's not so much them as then what they mean for the characters that I do love.
1: Right. I was going to say, um, Yeah, it's because you care about, you know, you care about Louise because you care about Isabel and you want to know what happened to her mom. You care about, you know, Nora because you care about Michael and you care about Walt slash Sanders because you care about Michael and you care about the relationship that Michael has with him. So I think they did a good job of showing the connection to the present timeline. Oh yeah, I do love that. Um, and I love how they did it, um, how they connected the flashbacks. So we're saying like, Michael is learning about his mom. So we show the flashbacks. Isabel is learning about her mom. So we show the flashbacks. And I love that choice. Um, but I definitely wish we could have had more Mm -hmm. to connect with the actual characters that, whose story they were telling and not with like the characters that we already know.
0: Right. And I wonder. I guess there probably won't be any more flashbacks. I mean, I can't imagine really why they would. I mean, yeah. other, I mean, unless they want to fill in gaps places, but at that point, it's just, I feel like at this point, if you did flashbacks again, it would just start getting repetitive. Like there's only so mm-hmm. much you can really do. Um, as we're, you know, as we found out watching shows like Animal Kingdom, like flashbacks get really tiring after a while because you do want to learn more information about the characters that you do like, but you also, you know, it's just, it's a weird situation.
1: Yeah, I can see them doing flashbacks to show Max's part of the story. Um, you know, why he ended up being trained right. and everything. Yes. Like, what happened? Yeah, no, we do need more there. Right. Um, but not with the actual, you know, the the fan family part with uh, Roy and, and Walt. I don't see them doing much more of that unless they want to tell no. more of, you know, Louise having the baby and how that connects with Maria and all of
0: that. Um, I did, you know, I did put a note in here about Sanders and Michael. Obviously, that was a dynamic that I'm glad it sort of found family and, and not even really found family. I think the potential of a found family that was lost, um, not that I don't think that they, they don't care about each other now, because I do think that they, they they care about one another, but more about what the other represents versus who they really are, I think or they were so, both of them were so emotionally stunted and traumatized that they could only offer each other so much. Um, But what they did offer was great. I mean, Sanders offered Michael, uh, you know, a safe place, maybe not, you know, the most conventional of childhoods or or conventional places to be safe, but somewhere to be at all times. And then, you know, Michael gave Sanders that connection with his um family that he had so many years ago i just i think that the saddest part of their dynamic is the is when you think about the amount of time they lost yeah like why something wasn't said earlier to michael or the fact that sanders almost took michael in when he was a kid and then that could have changed everything for michael for the rest of his life and i think that it's just another layer that is the sad cake of michael Guerin. like it's just another like what if, what could we have had? And so I do love them, but it is really hard to watch them together because it's just so sad.
1: I've stolen 3,400 and $72 worth of copper wire from you over the last 13 years. If I start keeping real hours and you garnish 25% of my weekly paycheck, I'll have- pay. I am blind kid. I'm not stupid. I didn't need the damn wire. I came to the group home twice, you know. They weren't too keen on letting a junkyard dog who smelled like bathtub gin adopt a child. I don't blame them. I messed you up even worse. But I tried. I got one year Three months and four days with Miss Louise and Miss Nora. No matter what, I can't pay you back for that.
2: Keep the money.
1: The whole thing, from Michael's point of view, you know, starting from when they find, you know, the farm and the um, height chart. Oh. Um, and you know, and Alex goes, it's something you do to, with family. And Michael never had that. And then you learn, you know, even that the scene that always, you know, stuck with me, that's like um, Max talking to Sheriff Valenti when it's like that. Max was actually a troubled one. It wasn't Michael. Michael was just protecting them. Um, and so you know that Michael could have being adopted i mean that would have been at the cost of max not getting adopted and max getting the shitty childhood but um which i don't think michael would ever want by any means. right right absolutely um and it's not fair and it shouldn't you know it's not fair for any kid to have the childhood that michael had but um yeah it's just layer upon layer upon layer of michael trauma that i
2: don't know that gets addressed
0: And and I would say that very few characters get to address their actual trauma in the show. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Michael certainly doesn't, not really. Um, I think he does a very good job of just, you know, like in my mind, what I want is for Michael and Sanders to build a family and build a relationship between the two of them. But I have a feeling that anything that we want to see is going to be mostly in the fanfic portion. Like we're not going to see, I have, can't imagine that we'll actually see them building a relationship or, or working through that trauma together. I'm sure that's not going to happen. Um, but we can imagine it. <laughs> yeah, because like
1: you said, they're both emotionally stunted. I mean, it's not like Sanders is like this super bodily talkative dude. I mean, he, I mean, we see the way he treats Michael, uh, you know, it's, you know, this super gruff way and, you know, super kind of Tough love um, and sarcastic kind of, you know, dynamic and stuff, which Michael kind of thrives on, I think. But um, well, or
0: is so used to it, and that's what he uses use as a it. defense yeah. mechanism. Yeah. that that feels comfortable because it's like, okay, right. you kept me at emotional distance. You're, you, you, know, that makes sense.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, like, is it's, the, it's right. the dynamic I think he's used to with like everyone. Which is why when someone like Alex is like, let's actually talk about feelings, it's like, I
0: don't know what to do with this, you know? Um, or and it's, it's not just, even that I don't. I think it's just at that point. Also, part of it is Michael's like, someone wants to listen to me, right? Like that's wild. Not only is he, it's going to be difficult for him to talk about it, but also like the idea that someone is going to listen because I mean, how many people have listened? I mean, right. outside of maybe Isabel. Sometimes, but certainly, you know, I think that that's part of the reason that Michael and Alex have this like hard time communicating. It's like mm-hmm. again, just all the trauma of Michael's childhood and inability to converse with anyone. Yeah, yeah that's that's the crux of Roswell, New Mexico. Everyone's yeah. traumatized. No one can communicate. That should Not be the tagline. Tag I don't mean to fly through the next few sections um i think spend as much time on them really as the show did (laughs) i mean i you know like for example our next section is on like uh the delucas and what that and and isabel and finding out that they're related um and what that means um i am uh, as we all are heartbroken to find out that they're related because that was basically the the most um popular queer female ship and now we're gone um you know now it's it's a weird icky thing to to ship i think at this point (laughs) um but i did like if we're gonna if they're gonna go down this route which i guess we are um i did like that scene where they tried to like hold hands (laughs) and like try to be comforting in a family and they're both like this is fucking weird. Like, we've never liked one another. And I, or, you know, we've never, um, but they, they're still sort of learning how to be comforting, I guess. Right.
1: See, the thing is for me with that scene is that it didn't fit with the dynamic that had for the rest of the season. Because up until that point, Isabel and Marie had actually been very good at supporting one another.
0: But I think that they were trying a new level of, Does it change anything now that we know that we're related in some way?
2: Right. Yeah. I think it's different now that they know. And trying to be,
0: you know what? I think they are good at supporting one another. I think at this point or learning how to do it, but in a still kind of abrasive way, sometimes just their dynamic (laughs) is, that's the reason it works so well as a romantic ship, right? That sort of abrasive way. And so I think when they tried to switch that to like a softer thing, they are both like, this isn't us. This is weird. I don't like this. Which which I think is realistic. I mean, you're not... Just because you find out you're bi- biologically related to someone doesn't mean yeah.
2: No, yeah now absolutely. you're
0: automatically going to be sort of soft and close and, and right. understanding of one another. And, you know, it's certainly not going to work. Um, other than that, I don't really know. I'm still very confused by Mimi's place in all of this. And... You know, now we got a glimpse into the ancestry of of Maria and all of that. But again, I think you add it all up and there's still not a whole lot there. Yeah. And so I'm not going to lie. I'm a little, I'm still confused about some things like.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's my biggest feeling. I mean, I like, okay, good. We got some backstory for Maria. We got some more information, which is good. Um, And it all goes to. Add some character for her that wasn't there before, you know, like She didn't have much of a, like, not personality, but like Character story, I guess, or plot or whatever that was just hers Which it isn't because it, you know, it connects with the aliens, but everything connects to the aliens Um, But yeah, it was very confusing, like I don't think that they did very well Um, I don't know if it's because again they just had 13 episodes they didn't have much time and all of that but i think they tried to cram a lot of stuff in too late which was a big problem for the season in general but like they start with Mimi disappearing and then nothing happens and then in the span of like two episodes um three episodes you find out you know She's related to Isabel, she's a helpful alien, she's, you know, maybe dis- didn't actually disappear Helena to her and she knew all along that she's not actually, uh, she doesn't actually have dementia, she, what, time travels? Like, I, I, what is going on? I mean, like, I, I think I'm you just
2: confused. have to hope that they were setting up some kind of foundation for a story in season three. Yeah, because but like we're to su- build up all of that and then go absolutely nowhere with it. I Yeah. It wouldn't shock me, but <laughs> right. I Right. Yeah. I, I think it's building up to a mini story in season 3. I wouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised. I hope so. If um the actress is a regular next season.
1: Right. Yeah, I just think it's just frustrating because we're two seasons in and we still don't really have a a good you know you can really say that you have a story for Maria Mm -hmm. that is hers you know like take all of her scenes and take everything else but the seasons out and just take Maria's scenes like 75 percent of it is Michael like her relationship with Michael this season and the rest of it is just very confusing so I don't know it's just frustrating from You know, the point of view of Maria as a character.
2: Yeah, when we were told that Maria was going to get her own story this season, then she she really didn't.
1: Which isn't just a Maria problem, but, you know, with Maria, it's just more prominent because she didn't have one last season either.
0: So it's just,
1: you know, Mm -hmm. adding adding up to to last season stuff.
0: Unfortunately, there's not a whole lot with Charlie and Jenna either, even Mm -hmm. though they, I think have the most interesting relationship and the most consistent through both seasons. We didn't actually get a whole lot of them together. Um, But I think somebody, Sarah, it might've been you, at some point when we were talking about them um, during the season and the recap episodes that said, you know, even though we don't really see them together, it's the most believable relationship yeah. again mm-hmm. because and our like our complaint is always is because they laid the foundation for them mm-hmm. that they've been dropping things about Charlie even just little bits here and there since the beginning of the show mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. now when we're finally introduced to Charlie it makes sense
2: and you know yeah, I mean, they're believable they they're believable you can believe that they're siblings because you've had this for two seasons even though they only have one scene together you buy that. Like when you saw Charlie and you found out that she was Jenna's sister, you're like, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I remember her because you've had this buildup and they did it right on this one and you mm-hmm. can buy it. And I really hope that she'll be back next season and we can see what I would imagine them. that Charlie's going to be back. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. at least Um At least a little bit here and there. I think
0: that her character went over really well i mean i think she said some really controversial things and i think her character is really controversial intentionally i mean Mm -hmm. (laughs) any character that creates weapons that are meant to be used against humans is it is going to be a controversial character and so i'm kind of hoping that that is something that continues because you can't really metaphorically drop a bomb like that (laughs) but like oh, she created this, you know, weapon that could actually kill entire bloodlines and then let it go. I Surely to God mm-hmm. not. Um, so, and especially all that buildup with Charlie and Jenna, it would be a real shame, even though it is well done up until now, it would be a real shame if that's just the end of it and we just never see them together again.
2: Well, that would be pointless. Her being controversial, that's fine. I'm here for a controversial character for like kind of a morally gray character if it's done Right,
1: right. That's so. our problem with with the Roswell, isn't it? It's That's
2: great. always the the writing problem. Can you do
1: it right? Mm. Um yeah, I think I hope she'll be back next season. And I I think that they, they did a really good job at even showing even with the few scenes that they had, you know, even as you know, separate characters, they they laid a good foundation and they were consistent with it and I think they did a good job at showing how their relationship developed even if they had like one scene I think yeah it was just the one scene together um and by the time you get to that that one scene in the finale you know that they've you know their their relationship has progressed and you, you know what they've been through on their own and it makes sense for their relationship to be at that point, and, and Charlie being like, "I, I don't want to run anymore," you know, or well, she does, and then she comes back for Jenna. You know, that's that's a good, that's a good dynamic, and it's interesting. It's always interesting to see different types of siblings, you know, um, in a show that's mm-hmm. filled with siblings. Everyone is a sibling.
0: I loved it. I was about um, to say Kyle's
2: not a sibling, but yet
0: yeah, no, he is. Well, well, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> I know. Well, no, actually a good transition to talking about Kyle then when we're talking about sibling relationships, because the next section was just going to be about Kyle and Michelle, but actually here's a good chance to talk about the failure of Kyle and Rosa and what something that started so well and, and was such a crucial kind of part for both of their characters in season one. And they had some good scenes at the beginning of season two, and then they never interacted again. Right. Mm -hmm. So... They're supposed to be in, you know, newly discovered siblings. And just, be- again, just because you're biologically related to someone doesn't mean you have to have a relationship. But they did sort of build it out that they were going to create a relationship between the two of
2: them. But Kyle's relationships in season two, they all suffered. Yeah. I mean, he, he had the, what, the early scenes with Alex. And then they had, like, what, one scene later on, I think. Mm-hmm. And you know, his his relationship with Liz kind of deteriorates as the season goes on, which I I can't blame him there. All of them suffered and you really only had a relationship with Steph this season that was like I don't want to say important, but like it took up the majority of his time
0: to yeah, the detriment right. of
2: his other relationships.
0: Right. Yeah. And and that that's our constant complaint when it comes to Kyle this season is I think for the most part, you could have almost taken Kyle out of the whole thing and it really wouldn't have made that much of a difference maybe here or there, or, or they just had him come in, fulfill some sort of duty and then was gone again.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and whether that be, you know, they needed him to look, you know, at Rosa right when she first woke up and they needed him about when it came to Max, but that was really like it. Yeah. They didn't really give him time or give him, room to grow outside of the duties that he needed to perform for people and I think that yeah. that is um probably you know and I've said this about a, a few different dynamics but again it's another like victim of of the pacing in the story writing in season two was was Kyle and Rosa
1: you know the thing is even if you don't want them to bond as biological siblings you know that's not you know they're still They have like one circle of friends. That's it. Like they all know each other. So they're, they're going to have to interact and then they don't, which is a problem across the board for the whole cast. You know, you're like, you're all literally interacting with each other all the time. How come so many characters don't have scenes with each other? How, how is that possible? Like, how does that work? It doesn't. And I
0: think what it says to me is, you know, uh, uh, again, it comes down to, I mean, the, I mean, you could, re- if someone asked what our podcast is really about, it's about complaining that Roswell tells and not shows us. Um, <laughs> yes. But it's another one where all of these relationships are, we're, we're meant to believe that they're important. We're meant to believe that there's potential there um but then never again do we see them interact or do we never you know like maria and rosa or you know all these sort of found family ideas or close friends or or whatever it may be Mm -hmm. just never again um and i think i've complained about this with like every person on tumblr at this point Mm -hmm. but it's just it's the one huge major failing of the entire show and i poor kyle (laughs)
1: Yeah, because and I also think that are not very good. I don't want to say this in like super controversial way, but like, I don't think they're very good at dividing time between their what they're supposed to be their main characters. So the main characters end up being just a pot squad, not even Liz, just a pot squad. So you have, you know, the dynamics of characters with Max, Michael and Isabel this season developed and that's true because you see like Liz and Isabel that developed you know you had Max and Rosa for a while Michael and Maria Michael and Alex those developed but then everyone that's not in a pot
0: squad kind of was forgotten um, and if it's going to be the goal then why not set that up from the very beginning that your main right. characters were going to be the pod squad and that everyone else was going to be you know how they existed in relation to the three of them except right. that that's not how it was marketed and i don't think mm-hmm. that's how it's been talked about it was always talked about as liz being this sort of main character and um her relationship with everyone is going to be the focus and that we have never seen that now i i i mean liz gets a lot of the focus in season one and season two but not it's really just sort of again her her relationship to the pod squad and how that works um and and this, what little she has outside of that is still connected to the pod squad in some way mm-hmm. the The next part of our notes was to talk about Kyle and his mom, and which I love their scenes together it's again, it comes down to there's not enough mm-hmm. um, but their scenes together in season one and season two really worked together, like you could see that Kyle loves his mom and wants to protect her in any way that he can but again it just comes down to i wanted to see more of them i mean they didn't have very much what we had was quality and you got to see an interesting side of michelle because if you're just left with the you know impression that we got in season one she didn't have a damn name in season one um but they (laughs) they But they did, you know, and then they made her again another controversial kind of character, like the way that she was talking about the Ortecos, and you're sort of Mm -hmm. intrigued by her. Um, And then in in season two, I just, Kyle's character fell victim to to the corner they put him in, and Michelle was part of that, I think.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, she still kind of had her moments, we know, you know, with, especially when Max comes back, but with Max not being a cop anymore, um, you know.
0: Is she just officially not
1: a cop anymore? I I mean, it's not work. Right now, it's not working as a cop. So you don't have that part of the dynamic where it goes to work and you have to see the
2: sheriff, kind of. Um, Michelle did get that scene with Isabel with the sex toys. That was pretty. Right. That was pretty fun. Right. completely forgot (laughs) about that.
0: We started the episode, I think, talking about one family that got the most attention. And so we'll end with the other family that I think got the most attention, which is the Mains family. Um, the season two spent a lot of time on the different relationships within the Mains family. Probably the most important in terms of our podcast um, is the introduction of Gregory and Gregory and Alex's um, sort of burgeoning new friendship and, you know, learning how to be brothers with one another. Um, I think that they spent a decent amount of time on Gregory because there is a lot that, you know, we want to know, like if the brother, other brothers saw the abuse that Alex went through, did they go through the same? Why, you know, even though they were children themselves, I'm sure they deal with some guilt of why didn't they step in? You know, there's a whole lot of issues there. So I'm glad that Gregory, they at least had him say, you know, I, I, there's a whole reasons why I didn't step in then, and it was dumb, and and now I want to fix it now, and he and he did, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I was always worried it was going to be empty words of, you know, oh I protect you if I could, or I would go back, you know, whatever, um, and then he he shot, he the killed guy. Jesse. I mean, <laughs> right. That's a he comm- pretty good, he comm- you know, yeah. yeah he committed he committed patricide for Alex, yeah. so like that's a pretty all right. He, he really he's a real one, per, you know, proved. Proved yourself to Alex and and for himself. I don't even think it was necessarily not just for Alex, but I think he was internalizing all of that guilt and he felt Mm -hmm. it about himself. So I think he needed to do that just for himself in general. Mm
1: -hmm. I just wanted to say thank you before we go. I also feel like I should congratulate you on getting out. Of the Navy? Of the family. (laughs) Getting out from under Dad. You got to break free of him, man. Do you feel free? I, uh... Don't think I get to be free until you are, Alex. You're my brother. I wish that I would have stood up for you more. You know, I think he's actually getting a little bit better. It's like the stroke melted away the psycho from his brain or something. If you can forgive him, you should. Cast off the stone. Let me hate him for you. I owe you that much.
0: Um. But finally, someone's on Alex's side. Yeah. You know, whatever that may mean. Like, he's, he's, he wants Alex to be happy and be safe and, and be healthy. And I think that that is nothing but good. So, yay, Gregory. We love Gregory. Um, and then, of, of course, course in, in in sharp contrast is Flint, <laughs> who I just don't like. And obviously, that's the point, right? Like, he's, he's kind of a dick. I don't really know. You know, I, I did think that they were going to redeem him. I did think that at some point and they might still i think that he mm-hmm. is if any character is going to be redeemed of anything it'll be flint obviously it can't be jesse anymore yeah
1: and now there's the argument uh, I, I i want him to be redeemed for what it means for alex but can right. he be redeemed now that he built this old plan of you know genocidal bomb and stuff you know well, charlie can, can he be did. redeemed i charlie mean charlie built yeah. the same thing yeah um but it was flint's plan you
0: know, Charlie was kind of forced into No, 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 I'm saying no, when she was Charlie's young, original. Charlie when built the same... That, yeah, okay, nah. good, yeah, So yeah, I'm yeah. saying, now, obviously, for different intentions and different... Right. They thought it was for different things, but you're still...
1: They utilizing. both think they're building
0: a bomb for the enemy. Right, 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 right. right. So, I mean, you know, if, if Charlie, if we're meant to sort of be on her side and sort of see where she's coming from, or she's not an, a character that needs redemption, then Flip sort of did the same thing. Now, he's obviously they hinted at him also being abused growing up mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. And, and all of this mental mind manipulation that um, Jesse put him through. So there could be some really good room for redemption arc for Flint. I still think that it's possible. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do think that that's where it's his character is added. And I do- Because I I'm, can't just have him evil forever, I don't think. It right. Would work, it would have worked that way with Jesse, but not with Flint, I don't think. Yeah,
1: especially now that Jesse's dead um you know we we already saw that they had kind of fought i guess jesse and flint um they had different ideas or whatever mostly because jesse was faking not being you know genocidal about the aliens anymore or, or at change his mind about how to go about it or whatever
0: confused about why flint left jesse and then went with helena i think it was that's one of those where that that whole episode or two was very confusing about yeah who was trying to kill who and why and who kidnapped who. i mean that was very very confusing i, I still and, and if you try to explain it to me i'd probably just cry i don't know whatever i guess yeah like the point really is that there was like a fissure between flint and jesse and i think that that's proof that flint it is possible to redeem him because unless you know if he went down with jesse all the way to the end and i think and showed no signs of breaking with him then maybe not then maybe he's just supposed to step into jesse's foot you know footprints or whatever but
1: that's kind of kind of what he did though because like the the way they presented it is that jesse was the one that was less radical about it right um, and went Back on
0: his footsteps, and then Flint was the most radical. He just sort of follows. He, and this is so so in depth, and this is not what Roswell's gonna do, but Mm -mm. the idea of, you know, when you're abused or manipulated your entire life, you're just gonna sort of follow whoever gives you attention or an outlet for that or gives you makes you feel useful or gives you lots of positive feedback. And so whether that's Jesse, whether that's Helena, whatever that may be. And so I think that he's just, that's, that's why the potential for his redemption would be so intriguing because he clearly just needs someone. He just needs some sort of guidance and help. And I think that that's why Alex is just unwilling to give up on him completely Mm -hmm. because he sees this is not you or not the you that you have to be that this is, this was done to you by you know their dad
1: yeah yeah and if that's the mindset that we've talked about this in the alex episode but if that's the mindset that alex had for his dad um obviously he's gonna have that mindset even stronger for a brother of his that suffered you know similar abuse at the end of his obviously well not similar but like we don't know the extent of it but like some kind of abuse um from jesse so i think you know Alex is sure gonna try um I think it's gonna be interesting regardless of whether they redeem him or not
0: my assumption really is from the way that they've laid everyone out is that Alex got the brunt of everything um and that Jesse uh, part of his abuse against Gregory Flint, and what's the other one's name Clay Clay is probably that they made or he made Flint take part in it or, you know, whatever it may be, or, or turned them against Alex, which is in itself a form of abuse. So it just Mm -hmm. might be different kinds of abuse for every son in that house. You'll just, we'll just never know. But I think that that again, it's just such a wonderful part of Alex's character that I love and is frustrating because he keeps trying to see the best in everyone. And I feel like Michael Guerin right now and he, and, and trying to show the, see the best in everyone. And and it's just going to keep, biting him in the ass and at some point you have to stop you know you can't make him do that it's just whenever he he realizes that you know because even up until the end like the the whole Jesse that I am still your son and I know Mm -hmm. he's pleading with him not to kill everyone in his bloodline which duh Mm -hmm. Um, but even that line the reason it's so important to me is just that it's you know Alex again just trying to appeal to a part of Jesse that doesn't exist anymore
2: well and we talked about this in, in the Alex episode previously um I love that Alex wants to see the best in people, but you can want to see the best in people and believe in the best in people and still r- recognize that certain people are irredeemable pieces of shit. Yeah. And I wish that, I just wish that they could have had him acknowledge, even at the very end when he's holding a gun to them, that his dad is not a good person. He did. They didn't need that line of, you know, I'm still your son dah, 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 and still have Alex think that, people are redeemable that flint is redeemable that right. clay is redeemable if he ends up being on the same wavelength you know you could yeah. have had that and still had him kind of throw his hands up and give up when it came to jesse sometimes people are just pieces of shit and you have to walk away
1: yeah i mean i think
2: that line i think he wants to point... believe
0: that there's still a part of jesse that's human right like that, that's that, right. that's compassionate and and you know is this a last ditch effort to like do you not get it like uh like I am yours, like still whether or not he wants to be and whether or not he they even have a relationship. I I you know that part of the it's so powerful <clears throat> as frustrating as it is, because you know it's just Alex just begging Jesse to see him one more, you know, just one last time, asking. And how many yeah. times I just see you know. him,
2: but to love him. I mean, and I understand that you want your parent to love you, but it's frustrating. Yeah. yeah.
1: But I think at that point, um, in that scene in particular, it was like just you don't have to love me. I just, you know, my life matters as much as thou, my brothers, as much as your life's life matters, you know. Um, It doesn't matter if you hate me, you know, I still, my life still has value and this is gonna kill me and it's gonna kill all your sons. You know, I think that's kind of where he was going with that line or that's how I interpret it, Um, but yeah that's that it's a it's a trait that i love about alex and it is frustrating which we've talked about
0: um i think the hopes for season two with the Maine's family is obviously i want gregory and flint to come i mean i want them to still be around like i don't want this to be the end of their characters because there's so much potential and i'm very excited to meet alex's mom Mm -hmm. Um, because and this isn't fair and and I know that and that's it's not I just have so many questions like why did you leave you know and I know that being in an abusive household is something that is layered and complicated but you know why did you leave your children or did this you know I don't even know when she left did we even know like what ages do we don't even so it could have been maybe she left before and then the abuse started
2: I have no idea I mean I really truly don't know yeah Um, It'd be I'd be really interested to see a scene with Alex and his mom, with Alex asking if you presume that she left after it became obvious that Alex was the focus of Jesse's abuse. Why he le- Why she left him specifically? I can kind of mm-hmm. understand like not being able to take all four of your children, you know, for whatever reason. But if you know, but like this- clearly Alex was right, right. the brunt of it right.
0: Mm-hmm um all I I think it'll be an interesting I wonder if we'll get a scene with Alex's mom where Michael's there like we did with Nora Mm -hmm. like that'll be maybe not that dramatic but you know right that'll be an interesting whether or not she will witness things or I just I'm ready to Mm -hmm. see if this is another person that's going to be on Alex's side or if this is going to be like a situation (laughs) like because clearly they're in contact I mean at the very minimum that Alex Mm -hmm. could call her last season Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's not a situation where they never talk. I mean, it may not be very often, but so she kept in contact in some way. So I'm, uh, she's, I'm most excited about her.
2: Yeah. To, not to get into the Malik's of it all, but, you know, we had that scene with, with Nora in the prison where she kind of like acknowledges Alex's importance to Michael. Have we had that the other way? Have we had a character kind of acknowledge how important Michael is to Alex? Greg. Greg, Greg, that's okay,
0: but that's the extent of it. MVP, right? I love Liberty, Liberty. Um, neither none, none of Alex's. Well, I mean, Flint and honestly, Jesse. even Maria,
2: even Maria. No, but in like a positive way. No, but I okay, think, yeah.
0: But I think even Maria, when they were sort of their breakup scene, was. Not too Alex, but I think recognizing. Yeah, but like within Alex's family. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah. No. Just Gregory. Greg. No, that's one fine. One. That's just what I was looking Which for. Is, I was just curious. He's got the one, and and yeah. honestly, mm-hmm. out of his entire family, and maybe the other brother, who will honestly we we'll probably never meet. That's a lot of main. You know. <laughs> you know. I, that's why I want there. I want his mom to be on his or a potential of you know redeem not redeemable character because we don't know anything about her, but a character that could be on his side. That's what I okay. hope.
1: Yeah, or even just, you know, reconnect with them. Like, like how, how we see Helena and Rosa this season, you know, and we right. come to that accept- acceptance or whatever. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Right. I just want to meet her, and then we'll think about yeah, how Yeah, then we'll figure it out whatever. Whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, I just want to mention that I love that um, Trip wasn't
2: a villain.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. That was a really, that was a nice surprise, I think, from, you know...
2: It was one of those things we've talked a lot about how there's not a lot of like build up with things on the show i saw that coming and it made right. it all the more satisfying when he wasn't a villain i'm glad that they didn't have this kind of like he's a straight villain through the whole season and then at the end it's like gotcha
1: mm-hmm.
2: so you know the fact that you kind of could see it coming was it made it to me it made it more satisfying and i'm so glad yeah. that they didn't bring the original max in just to make him <laughs> just like, a a bad bad guy. Yeah. Like that yeah. would be, I know there's some, there's some tension between the OG
0: people and the reboot, you know, anyway, that would have been a really <laughs> terrible decision. on all the parts. Yeah. But We do, we do like some trip.
1: And I love, I love that Alex knows it. I love that Michael knows it. Mm-hmm. I love that line in the finale that Alex has um, after he reads about Trip and Nora and he's like,
2: I keep thinking about how different my dad might've been if Trip had a chance to mentor him.
1: different, everything might have been. It's this is just so, and another layer of trauma again with Alex as well. But like, I love it. Um, I love that he knows that that is not like his dad's legacy is not the only legacy that he has in mainsman. Mm-hmm. Um, and that there's another type of mainsman that he can follow, I guess, which you already knew. I mean, just
0: or, or at the very least, wrong
1: type. But like.
0: Right. Or at least he can start to believe that maybe there's not something, I mean, at this point, he's got to feel like, is this genetic? Like, you know, why is it remains, man? So it gives him an idea at the very least that it's not, it's not that, that it's not, there's something wrong with them as a bloodline. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like that there's more to Mm -hmm. it than just that Jesse is sort of the one that ruined it for everyone that he is, Mm -hmm. you know, so I just, it's. As infuriating as the mains are overall, like, as of, you know, because more time needs to be spent on them than is currently being spent, they are, I think, bar none, the most interesting dynamics, like, all around, in their history, and what that means, and, you know, I'm I'm
2: super excited. And I hope that it's something that will be explored in season three, kind of this idea that now that Jesse's gone, and Alex knows about Trip, and then he's got Greg, and we don't know how clay is as a person. Flint may be redeemable. Like I want to s- kind of see this, maybe Alex trying to def- redefine what being a mainsman man is.
0: All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. This is episode 22. Um, we will have the theme of our next episode out soon. Um, going to give us a little bit of time. We are in hiatus and life gets in the way. So it may not be on a super consistent basis, but we will have it out for you shortly. And thank you so much for listening.
2: Thank you. Bye guys.